This episode is brought to you by Crater Lake Taxi. Competent drivers, clean vehicles, on time, anytime. Crater Lake Taxi, 541-333-3333. Here comes the first call. Bye-bye, boo. First call. Crater Lake Taxi, can I help you? Hi, can we get a talk to Omar? Yes, and where are you going? Ashland Springs. Ashland Springs Hotel from Omar's? Yes. Okie doke, someone will be there within about six minutes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, first call of the day, and we're going to give it to... Devin! Okay, Devin, here we go, baby. He just sent me a text that says, open for business. Well, let's get this business rolling. Omar's to Ashland Springs Hotel. Roll, baby. Here we go. I am Citizen 44. Please listen carefully. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. My guest this week is the incredibly talented Sarah F. Burns. Sarah Burns and I met uh, years ago when she was my neighbor, uh, briefly, and then uh, we decided that my portrait needed to be painted, and so she painted it. And it was about a six-month experience that was super fun, and resulted in an incredibly fantastic portrait of me that really represented me at that particular time. And it was an extraordinary experience to watch Sarah do this thing from sketch to final and to witness the progress and and her process of doing this. So it was super cool, and uh, I'm so happy that she she came in to talk and, and... yeah, she's just a great girl. We've had a lot of really cool experiences together. Anyway, Boo and I are still solid. Everything's good. No complaints, smiles, and happiness, and and funny, funny stuff. As far as my kids, Zoe invited me to go have dinner. She texted me while I was at the gym and said, Hey, do you want to eat a meal? And so that's really, you know, as many of you know... Getting a text from your 16-year-old daughter stating that they want to spend time with you is fairly miraculous. So I was so excited to get the text. I was at the gym, dropped all of what I was doing, talking to Andy Baxter, and, uh, and dealt with Zoe and letting her know that I, of course, it would be awesome. So we ended up having dinner at uh, her choice, which was the Standing Stone, and uh, we had a margarita pizza, and shared that, and shared a Caesar salad, and it was really very nice. She was all dressed up in this pretty dress, and I actually had a button-up, nice, super clean blue shirt, and, uh, you know, it's just easy to be with each other. We don't really spend a lot of time together, but I'm fully aware of what she gravitates towards, and when she comes to me, she really comes to me. And it's the same with Sam. You know, I'm right here, man. I'm right here. I'm fully available. And just not putting any additional pressure on this that they need to be with me 
a certain amount of time on certain days for a certain duration, I guess is not really applicable right now, or maybe never again. That kind of structure, that kind of imposed structure of discomfort and non-agreement is kind of out the window at this point. And that's fine. I'm totally cool with it. I love living alone. I mean, I, I could have either one of them with me at any time all the time, but I do love living alone. I'd love to have Boo here living with me. But again, I'm good by myself. So whatever I can accommodate, whatever change needs to occur whenever that needs to happen. I'm down for the whole thing. It's all good. I love my kids. I love I love being with them. I need to raise some money, man. December's coming quick. I need cash, cash, cash. I got to buy probably two tickets to Paradise and the dough for the the traveling and the staying in the places and the eating and the doing things. Now, fortunately, let's just say it's pretty reasonable to have an experience in Thailand, even for like a month. It's pretty cheap. So I don't need that much. And again, I totally trust. And, and the phone is starting to ring and there's people that want things from me. And, and things being wanted from me translates into money to do that, to give Val to, and to do things and stuff. Like Boo has said to me before, and I really think it's a profound statement, money is not important, but it is necessary. And it is necessary. At this time, the way we're doing things, it's unavoidable. And it is one of these dividing elements that creates total inequality in this experience. This whole monetary system is really a kick in the human ass, man. But the idea is to leverage what is here in the way that it is and figure out how to improve upon it. That, to me, is a more intelligent way of addressing things that you would like to see changed, manipulated. We have an infrastructure for education and other such deliverables Uh, We just need to change the focal point of importance and the information that is being delivered to our children, thusly improving our chances to survive our own stupidity. Needless to say, and I say needless to say, a lot evidently now that I examine myself saying it twice in a row. So uh, I had asked Curtis Hayden, who is owner-operator, writer, everything-er, for uh, the Ashland Sneak Preview, which is a publication that goes out to every household for free in the mail. And there are stands all over town. And this is the monthly publication that is full of local news, editorial, advertising, things very Ashland. It's uh, it's really fantastic. There's a lot of good uh, story writing and uh, profiles and business information, and entertainment news, calendar, the whole thing, you know. And he does a profile, uh, I believe, every month. Uh, A couple years ago, when I was driving the taxi the first summer, I had this explosive, incredible, almost indescribable experience the first summer behind the wheel of a taxi here in Ashland, whereby just the stories that were generated out of driving people around for sometimes up to 18 hours a day with very little sleep, just me and Joe kicking ass, man. He had just 
I don't know, recently purchased the 333-3333 number and shit was blowing up. It was an explosive summer and uh, I was so sleep deprived positively that my creative juices were off the rails and I wrote my ass off and Sneak Preview, Curtis, published uh, a, a bit of them, a Reader's Digest version summary thing of those stories. And I love Curtis. He's a super cool, nice guy. He's a super cool cat, as I say about people. He's another super cool cat. He sent me an email uh, yesterday asking me if I would be interested in being his profile for next month's publication. And he wanted to help me pimp the podcast. Super nice of him. I said, yeah, sure, man. Thanks. Totally appreciate that. And then hopefully this this cool advertising opportunity for me will uh, deliver new ears to the show. Again, I'm just doing it, man. There's no end goal. There is no end goal anyway in any of it, but I have no end goal in the podcast. It goes as long as it goes until it doesn't goes no more. So I'm cool with having that open-ended. I'm cool with all of it being open-ended because it's a much more comfortable place to not see the end. If there is no end, there's no end result. There just is going on. So it's just going on for me. That's it. It's going on, on and on to the break of dawn. And keep moving on to the moving on. And and I'm having a good time. And I'm enjoying doing this with you and me and all that. I also am going to uh, share with you my initial experience going to Baxter uh, Fitness Solutions. I told Andy that uh, I was going to show up, and I showed up on Thursday, and uh, it was super easy. Oh my God, it was so easy. And and Sarah's here. Sarah Burns, dear, sweet, lovely Sarah Burns is here, and uh, had a really nice chat. So let's get on with the show. Okay, I am walking to Baxter Fitness Solutions. Made an appointment for noon today to go see Andy and take this body thing of mine that desperately requires some attention and get to work, as it were. Had a lovely chat with Boo last night. She serenaded me with leaving on a jet plane. She's so sweet and so adorable, and she sang that to me. And I thought about the fact that when I left Thailand and went up those stairs, I never looked back. I wonder why that is. There it is, Baxter Fitness Solutions, 330 Oak Street. Okay, I'm rolling in, here we go. Walking in. It's cool, it's small. Definitely older people here. Looks pretty good. You got rowing machines and arm thing machines and cool classical music. Just observing Andy in his natural environment. See machines I've never seen before. That one's pretty cool. It's kind of a sitting elliptical machine. What's good about this is I won't be distracted by smoking hot young girls. That's genius. I just was saying, no, I'm digging the whole my age vibe. Right on. So that's 25 minutes of aerobics right there. Yeah. 
And by just kind of jumping around five minutes in station, switching directions, keeping your brain jumping. The body's tingling, baby. Yeah, it's all good. And so here's the counterintuitive anti-American sentiment is that that's enough. That's all we need. I know because yeah. I'm not sweating and dying. Right. And Right. Need to walk it off. <laughs> right, exactly. And so typically that's what I do with folks is we'll do three sessions and they're progressive. So you just did 25 minutes of work, believe it or not. That's all we need for today. And then when you come back, we're going to add a little bit more, add a little bit more. And once we have a full workout program for you, then we start to bring up the quality slash intensity of the work. Right. How is my routine going to affect the fact that I have a hernia? Um, how, what kind of hernia and how bad is it? It's, uh, you know, a groiny thing, and yeah. uh, it's not bad. How long have you had it? A uh, month or so. Oh, so it's new? Yeah. Um, Tried to pick up a car with somebody. Okay. It was really fucking stupid. Yeah, so, think, yeah. so everything in this room, because it's all recumbent, That's easy, right? is not going to affect yeah, yeah. that at all. Heavy lifting would affect Yes. You. Uh, we're not going to do that. Correct. So, so I just so want to let right. you know ahead of time. Yep. I know yeah. I mentioned it, but yeah. Yeah, no, we'll be fine with that. Okay, cool. We can work around it. Okay. Wait. My daughter actually wants to have a meal with me. Dinner tomorrow night. Wow. I need to like frame, can I frame a text? Is there a way I could save this moment of <laughs> seeing that my daughter wants to have a meal with me? That's nice. Uh, when do you want to come back? Every day, I don't know. Okay, let's come back. Tomorrow. Can I give you money now? Uh, you can if you want. I brought fifty dollars because I'm ahead, showing up. So right. I'm showing up with the money and awesome. the intent. Take it. That's wonderful. You know, it's actually forty-nine. No, no, no. I, I'm tipping you. It's I'll a tip. It. Just pretend I'm in Thailand and and you're bowing and you're so excited that I just actually paid for fuel for a month. <laughs> How does one o'clock tomorrow sound? What is tomorrow? Right. Yes. Yes. Stella, you're going to enjoy this. I'm going to tell my daughter, yes, mm -hmm. dinner tomorrow night. It's good to see you, brother. Thank yeah, you. You too. See you later. Yeah, see you tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, that's it. 25 minutes. And uh, since I have a hernia, he knows now that I cannot lift any heavy weights. All right, shutting it down. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me and my first day in the gym. It was good. Digging it. Everybody. So we had a little confusion here on timing and where I live. <laughs> Usually I send out a thing when I make an arrangement to talk to somebody with a thing that says where I am because most people didn't know where I lived before anyway who I've spoken to. But you did and you've been there and I, I wasn't there when you knocked on the door. Did, did anybody open the door? No. Nobody, nobody showed home. up. So nobody Brandon was wasn't home either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know Brandon? I, I feel like I've heard you say the name before but no i don't he and his ex actually used to own and run evos oh for a while before it was oh yeah before it was the barbecue place right right which now it's not the barbecue place right right do you know what it's going to be i've heard uh like jimmy john's <laughs> sandwiches or something jimmy john's i don't know that I sounds made don't. up uh no it's real but i don't i don't know that that's true i Who do you, you know what it's gonna be 
no, no I'm idea. totally going by rumor. I've, huh. It was, I just saw something that somebody mentioned on Facebook. And I kind of think that's a rumor because Jimmy John's is like a chain. Oh. And it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like Ashland, but. Jimmy so John's. Know. No, but a sandwich, a good sandwich place could do well if it's sandwiches that are meeting with the expectations of the general populace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning like. Raw is kicking butt because they do this super healthy, clean, mm-hmm. beautiful food there. Yeah. And I don't know how the burger place, Flip, is doing, but I would Seems imagine busy. they're doing they're really busy. well. Yeah. So specific kind of like the new Plancha yeah. Mexican place, I think, is actually doing well, too. Have uh-huh. you been there? No. I've been doing more entertainment type of things in Phoenix and Talent, right. Redford, because it's just so much easier to park. Right. I'm kind of just, Yeah. I, I, I get don't it. enjoy Nashland as much as I used to. And that's interesting. And it's fine. I mean, I, I like it just fine. I just It's just harder to do stuff here. Right. Is it just more crowded or? That's how it seems. Or maybe I have a lower tolerance, tolerance for, for, yeah, I just like, and, and there's so much interesting stuff going on in Talent and Medford and I'm just enjoying just variety, You got a whole I new guess. experience yeah. since you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you live in Talent. Oh, no, you live Phoenix. in Phoenix. Phoenix. So it goes Ashland, Talent, Phoenix, Medford. Yes. And there is correct. a migration correct, happening. Yes. <laughs> oh, evident one. Yes, Johnny. Ah. <laughs> we used to do that. So I how know. do we know each other anyway? Well, we used to be neighbors. We met through another neighbor, Chris. Right. Who we were both buddies with. Mr. Johnson. And so okay. we were a photographer then. Yeah. We still are, of course. Yeah. But, you know, you were doing a lot of photography then. Yeah. Graphic design. Yeah. And then at some point, yes, yeah. we started. Was doing your portrait, doing that one portrait a lot in my studio up on What's-Its-Face above the... Yeah, the Paradise, uh, Paradise Marijuana supply. supply. Yeah. Yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> and that was fun, yeah. Well, and I actually, I had a little space in there myself for a, a brief period of time. Don't you remember? We were neighbors oh, there, too. yeah, right. You little had your photo ladder. studio thing yeah. going on there. Yeah. Meredith and yeah. you and the yeah. yeah yeah and a previous guest on your podcast Dan Elster was in that space for a short period of time as well and then maybe you left and then somebody else moved in and she was like she had a bunch of dogs and that just did not work dogs. very well what, yeah. what, what was she doing in there well she was painting but she she would just oh. bring her dogs and she uh. was just a lot of stinky dogs and she took up the whole space with her dogs and her stinky painting. I, her stinky I mean, jeez, I don't know. I, like, Dan would remember this better because he was actually sharing a physical room. Oh, he did share with her. With her, and then he was just like, "No, this is not going to work," and moved out. Is how is my reflection? Right. Of that. Yeah. That's so. probably correct. <laughs> but that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, we hung out and used to like have yeah. lunch all the time, and and we painted. It was very everything it was, was fun. it was super fun. Yeah. yeah. We talked a lot about Seinfeld. Right. You're a Seinfeld fan. I am, but to be honest, like, I don't think I've seen it basically since, you know, I haven't had a TV in probably 10 years, and so, and it was not available, like, streaming right. very much. It was, right. like, hit or miss. And sure. So, so, it's, um, of course I'm a Seinfeld fan, but it's been so long since I watched it, I was like... Well, I think you used to live through me reacting. Maybe, yeah. I, that was, instead, I of, instead of watching it, it'd be like... You kind of just turned me on, and then I would be Seinfeld, (laughs) and you would paint me, Mm -hmm. and it would take a long... The reason I think our painting experience took a long time is because we did a lot of talking. Yeah. 
I mean, we had stupid fun. Well, it fun. takes a long time, yeah. Well, it can, or it can go fast. It, but it was fun, yeah. yeah. And I would always be trying to... Sometimes portraits are really tricky. There's like a technical aspect, and there's a... Of course, you want to capture a certain part of the person, and sometimes it seems like it flows really, really easily, and sometimes it's more... Sometimes it just doesn't, right. you know? So it's, Did it if, flow? It's Do you remember really, what the flow was? You know, I remember honestly being frustrated... I wasn't necessarily like getting the results that I was after. So not to say that that reflects necessarily on the, you know, the outcome of the painting. It was just like, you know, if you kind of have one thing in mind and it doesn't go there, it can be a little like, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, is it going somewhere interesting anyway? Or what am I doing? How can I reach my vision? Or conversely, do you decide then like, okay, well, what is coming out and is that valuable also? So Right. Well, that's cool because I didn't know any of your mm-hmm. innermost feelings connected to the experience. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I thought the end result was amazing. Oh, that's Is nice. amazing. And, and you ended up doing a treatment on it that you had never done before, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would partly because you had a lot to say. I did put like word bubbles or something on yeah, it. Yeah, you did. There were words all over it. You were okay. kind of quoting me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and incorporating that mm-hmm. into the painting. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, I think, incredible. I oh, mean, well, super unique. Nice. And yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not enamored with my own look or anything, but I mean, <laughs> you did represent me at the time of kind of who I was and, and what yeah. I was. That's cool. You know what I'm realizing now? You're not wearing glasses. I haven't seen you wear glasses for a while. Are you? I still wear glasses. Oh, okay. Just not right now. I'm right in front of you. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I can if it makes you feel more comfortable. No, I can, no, I can no, wear them. no. I just when we were talking about your portrait, I started looking at your face yeah. as we're talking now and Glasses started remembering sec- yeah, yeah. painting you. And I was realizing, like, oh yeah, that was one of the challenges. Was like your, you know, glasses are tricky because they, because they're obscure. You know, the face yeah. somewhat, and yeah. um, but they're so much a part of a person's you know, presentation to the world, you know, and, and they were at the time because you had like, you had moved here from San Francisco or something and you were wearing like, they were cool as fuck glasses. glasses. Yeah, they were. I don't have them anymore. Well, I do. They're broken. I've saved them, but they were like metal, cool, uh, rectangular shape with interesting lens tinting or something. I think. Yeah. They were kind of almost yellow. yellow. Yeah. 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 They were definitely like a look. Yeah. yeah, like there were, like, yeah. I'm not going much for a look. I, well, I guess you're always going yeah. for some kind of look. At some and point. it's okay for it to change, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah, but it was fun, and it was cool to see you in the process of, and to work with you and be a witness to what you do hmm. through you painting me. And I, you know, I, I photographed some of your classes, and I, mm-hmm. I did get to see you uh, painting other things mm-hmm. and how you interact with people. And you're an excellent teacher, of course. Oh, thanks. And an excellent painter, of, oh, that's of course. Nice. And I have many of your pieces, and yeah. none of them. I actually need to bring. I, I got to find the little ones because when I left oh, for yeah. Thailand, I packed all my shit up. Mm-hmm. And yours are such a great size. Those little ones that I mm-hmm. love. And one of them, I had to because he really loved it. The one with the girl who's. Passing oh, yeah. out. Yes, yes. Is still hanging up at the other apartment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Brandon really loved it, and he said, "Can I just leave it hanging up here?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, that's of course it's you can." A pretty safe place for paintings to be stored on a wall. They're not being exposed to light or moisture. Like they're right. it's all often like safer for them. Right, and right now I have, my God, so much art. Isn't that a great piece? I know, I love it. There's yeah. something about it. It's just the colors, the uh-huh. darkness, and the 
Nobody can see and what the, the hell we're I, talking about, but yeah, you should put a visual. Yeah, I will. I can that. add something to a thing. Yeah, it's an awesome painting, and it and you can always tell, you know, when they've aged a little bit. Like that looks like it was painted like in the '60s or something, huh. and it has a nice like because my understanding is that oil paint becomes, you know, it changes. It doesn't really quite stabilize for like a hundred years. It becomes a little more transparent and sort of changes i mean of course it it never stops everything changes and decays and everything but you know there's something that you can recognize an older painting right versus a newer painting i feel like that's hard to identify what about the stabilizing factor what exactly happens after a hundred years it just finally well, misses my its end result it becomes thinner more and more transparent it's right. sort of like it doesn't an oil paint doesn't dry in the sense of it evaporates right. like water does right. it changes right. chemically i'm really interested in that kind of thing but i am not a scientist so i don't really know exactly what happens but it um, probably googleable i'm sure yeah right. and there's a lot of misinformation about there out there about paint materials a lot of people will say a lot of stuff that just isn't provable you know like well, there must be a source whereby this is stuff these people spent time researching and yeah, know, there's like yeah. Well, what I'm saying and, is, you find a lot of contradictory information. Mm, yeah, and then there'll be, and certainly. So for some of the, I have several books, you know, that I reference, and some of them, you know, like the Ralph Mayer's um, Artist Handbook is one that's referenced and has been updated a number of times, and then disputed different things. I think the one that I respect right now a lot is this guy George Hanlon who has um, naturalpigments.com, and he's, he seems to do a lot of research. But but what I don't like is, you know, the modern art material makers yeah. who are making, you know, petroleum-based right. art products. They haven't been around long enough for people to really know what's going to happen to them, and so I don't trust, right. you know, right. the claims. And what do you use specifically? What kind of paints? I use oil paints, and I don't have a completely strictly traditional and whatever traditional means i prefer the risks of products that have been around for hundreds of years over the risks of products that have been around for 50 years sure. or 40 years or sure. 30 years yeah so i tend to go with you know just linseed oil mixed with pigments right and the pigment sources can be heavy metals can be earth pigments can be some plant-based but those are more considered more fugitive right the colors will fade more and i make my own panels out of plywood which is a modern material but plywood's pretty durable right and it's furniture grade plywood and then i um brace it put a glue brace on it put on a layer of linen which i put size which with rabbit skin glue and then use what's um, rabbit skin glue glue is often made out of animal products animal products okay and rabbit skin glue has been used for hundreds and hundreds of years. Huh. As a, and when they call it a size, that what it means is it protects, it creates a layer that protects the wood from the acid in the oil. Right. In the paint. It keeps the wood from degrading as quickly or the linen. So that's sized. And then you make a gesso out of rabbit skin glue and marble dust. Mm-hmm. And then I put coat that on it. And it seems to work really well. That's my favorite surface. It's absorbent. And it's it's rigid, which is a lot longer lasting than a um, like a stretched canvas or a stretched. So linen. you're not doing. So you're using boards 
and yeah. then putting canvas over the, yeah. the the boards. And the canvas provides it's still yeah, and there's the gesso becomes hard so you don't have the bounce or even the look of the linen. Right. It's what that linen does is it provides sort of like almost like earthquake retrofitting in buildings. It's like a little tiny little bit give. of little tiny bit of flexibility yeah. that keeps the gesso from cracking. Ah. So How that's do- my preference. If I'm traveling or something, I have to use something that's a little more portable. I'll use like a board with a high quality linen glued to that yeah and so still it's rigid and i prefer that if i have to work big i'll stretch linen but i always use you know really high quality linen as opposed to cotton canvas because i i do care about my work lasting right i'm interested in making something that will be around for a long time sure i think there's a lot of value in that because we can photograph things obviously and have digital copies but there's as everyone knows you don't know what's really going to be saved right and it takes a lot of, you know, networks and, you know, transferring from one format to another. You know, right. just like all these things change so quickly. Whereas a painting, if you just keep it safe, a painting can last, you know, well-made painting should last much, much, much longer than that. And I think it's kind of interesting. I love having records of humanity from hundreds of years ago. I think it's it adds a lot to my life. So I would like to pay it forward. So yeah, it's speak. like the cave business. They knew that... They do it on here. I mean, it's not like they had much of a choice of surfaces, <laughs> but in essence, yeah. that stuff all lasted and, and informed yeah. us, I amazing. think, in many levels on how to get to where you're at now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So where are you from originally? Um, here. I grew you're up a native here. of S- Southern Oregon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was born in Eugene, but have lived in the Rogue Valley since I was two. Moved okay. away a little bit, but not too long. Right. Came back. And, and Went to high school in Ashland. You did. You went to Ashland High? I did. What was that like? Uh, fine. You know, I mean, high school was, uh, you know, was all I knew. I guess I, oh no, that's not totally fair. I went to middle school or junior high in Eagle Point and then moving to Ashland. There was a cultural difference. There was definitely a lot less, lot less fistfights at school. I think that was good. So in Eagle Point, it was a little program. rougher. A little rougher, yeah. Okay. And you have yeah. brothers and sisters? I do. I have a lot. I've got, I'm the oldest. I have... Two younger sisters and a younger brother. Okay. Do I know your younger brother? Have I met him? Possibly not. He doesn't live here. He lives in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. I don't think. But I know you've met both my sisters. Yeah, of course. I love your family. Oh, Very sweet. And so, growing up in Eugene, what what did your mom and dad do at that time? Uh, Eugene, um, I was just there till I was two, so I don't have any recollection of it. Although from pick, I know my dad was a at that time. I think he was one of those farm kill, like he drove like a farm kill truck. And he what's would, a farm kill truck? <laughs> I've never heard like kill in the same <laughs> phrasing as farm and truck. Yes, well, if you eat me. Um, Which I don't anymore. No, I know you don't, yeah. You know, our neighbor in Eagle Point had a farm kill business, and it was called Jean's Farm Kill. He named it, after his, he named it after his wife. Her name's Jean? <laughs> yes. Jean's Farm Kill? Yeah. It was, Did he think that was helping with the brand? Or well, was you that know, a gift to her? It was a different time in a different place, Clearly. I think. So uh, in, the, in that community, I mean, I think it was just nice and normal. So what it is is like on farms, you can pay for somebody and people still use them all the time. Like if you buy some like a, a lamb, some lamb from your neighbor, you'll part of your fee is the cutting and wrapping fee. And that's uh-huh. what you pay to the farm kill people. Sure. They drive, they have a truck, they drive out to your house, they kill the animal, 
they at your house yeah yeah so you have the farm you have your pasture they come out kill the animal there's like hooks in there they skin them gut them right do all that stuff we had a farm and we used to do it ourselves and so you did it yourself yeah what did you what did you kill and well i didn't but my dad did and i would sit there and watch it so we and, and we as in we my family but there would be like a pile back out of the way somewhere where you would dump like the entrails sure. and all the stuff that you yeah. didn't need or didn't want to eat was that like a compost pile what happened well with it that was stuff? just you know it just it went away eventually. it just yeah it just I think maybe the buzzards would go after it. Oh, know? yeah. It just like, it was on like the way edge. It was like right on the fence line. Yeah, the wild animals probably came in and had a feast. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so that's what he did. And he, so he was really good at, you know, he knew how to butcher animals, cut and wrap them. And one day I saw, I was, I was in high school later on, and I saw two guys hop out. It was at the Safeway. Two guys hopped out of their farm kill truck they were in their like rubber boots and like plastic aprons and they're all bloody and they were like i don't know maybe it wasn't the safe way maybe it was a gas station i just remember them like hosing out a bloody truck and i was just like oh god it's sounds so like the intense. reservoir dogs it's like, like a... yeah so wow but uh and then and then when we moved down to eagle point where my dad had grown up since high school um he was a logger and it was dangerous work. He almost got killed, you know, having to roll out of the way of big, you know, trees coming down. Mm. And so with, you know, starting a family, he then worked in a mill in right. White City. And, and this, uh, this was, this area, generally speaking, was like wood mills, right? Yeah, yeah. that was a big, yeah, yeah. I don't think there were really any mills left here, left yeah. here. Yeah. But yeah, that was the history of it. But there were still quite a few in White City, but it was a tough industry and my dad had a tough time with it because he he really cared about the you know native forest and you know he like he had like a real sense of balance kind of a conflict of interest for him yeah i mean he wanted he didn't believe we shouldn't use wood and all that stuff but reasonably um, yeah but he would have liked to have seen things be managed more sustainably so he was conflicted a lot throughout our growing up because he was also like he was really smart but he dropped out of college and I don't think he felt particularly fulfilled by his work life. Was he an artist? He was a woodworker, and he was he was a musician, and he, I think he, did he write some songs? He was sort of artistic, but he wasn't, and he eh, actually have some paintings he did, but really? it was well, for a hobby, kind of, you know, it wasn't like, well, a, life, probably it wasn't he had like a lifelong work, thing. Meaning he probably may have wanted to be more creative and... He never had ambitions to like, oh, if I could do whatever I wanted, I would be doing creative things all the time. He really liked working. Yeah. You know, he liked working with his hands. He liked building, gardening, you know. Right. All that kind of stuff. Fixing cars. I mean, he just... He was a mechanical cat. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He just... And he was interested in life, curious about it. And, yeah. Yeah. They're not around, right? Your parents? No, both my parents are, have died now. Yeah. Which is strange. Yeah, and your mom most recently. Mm-hmm. Yep, just yeah. since last year. Yeah, I can't even... I mean, I'm going to have to at some point, but... It's... T- yeah, we Well, know, I'm not a girl either, so I know there's even a whole different realm yeah. of connection that's there with the mother. Boy, it's... Um, yeah, when my mom died, and I'm 40, she was 61, so it was unexpected. You know, yeah. I did not expect to be... It, and it really blindsided me. It just, I hadn't even, even though I, my dad died when I was 19, 
it really it was so young then and so formative that I didn't really have much perspective on that and then when my mom died I realized oh my goodness everybody unless you know you die before your parent everyone has to face losing their parents yeah and it's uh just a just a I mean, it's just a huge loss, you know, yeah. and it's a strange, it's a strange to be, you know, my, one of my sisters said, you know, we're orphans now. And it's like, it's just so strange. I, I, and it must be this odd void yeah. of unchangeable, un, you can't mm-hmm. do anything about it except, you know, cherish the memories and, and get on with your business. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being a parent and losing a child. Well, that would be. Even sounds even brutal. more tragic. Which yeah. my parents lost my brother. Which, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I can't imagine. I, you know, I know. I can't. We imagine both have children. It'd be the worst. It'd be the worst. Of course. It's the worst thing that you worry about. And I have had, over the years, you know, when you become a parent, you think, oh my god, I could never. I mean, I just like, how could you lose a child? Would be the worst thing imaginable. I never even imagined my mom dying. To be perfectly honest, I thought she was gonna live. Be there into forever. Her, into her nineties, yes. at least. You yeah. Know? I just like. Just throw me for a loop, but yeah. But you don't know what's going to happen in no. life. No, and that's why every day is, you know, I mean, everything's a cliche with right. your day, right. like it's your last, right. and blah right. blah right. blah. Right. But the yeah. fucking fact is, they're all true. <laughs> it's true. It is true. We are going to all go, and it's a matter of time. And unless you're on a death timetable where you're sick, and yeah. you can know within some reasonable predictability that you're going, we don't know shit about when shit's going down. Yeah. And so, and we're not prepared emotionally, uh, educationally. We're not really prepared. We're not really taught about death or any of the things that we end up having to deal with kind of alone. Mm-hmm. So we're not prepared. I mean, we could be, you never can be totally prepared for anything yeah. like that, but we could be more prepared. We could prepared. do better. Yes. We could do better. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Well, and I had, I will say like our experience was for how heartbreaking and terrible it was. It was really so amazing. We had the best possible experience with that because we were fortunate enough just circumstances led to my mom needing to be in an inpatient hospice facility and for the last couple of weeks and that was just an unbelievably supportive experience it was um, in portland people were there like had maybe two weeks left right Mm -hmm. it was like crew like very last and they were there because they needed certain types of medication management right. that couldn't be done at home on right. home hospice. Right. But it was like in a garden setting. It was like a mansion, an old mansion that had had a like a hospital wing added to it. But mm-hmm. it was all kind of connected and it was very peaceful and comfortable. There was a garden outside. My mom was able to go out in her hospital bed with her medication outside in the garden. We spent days mm. just enjoying the being outside together there was so much support for it you know my mom has a lot of family and there were a lot of children there was a lot of love and grace and gratitude and family healing and so we did have an amazing experience right and did your family you you guys there was like a family trip to ireland right as for the memorial yeah well no or was this something we had a that was something separate so you know we had a memorial here and we had a memorial in Colorado where my mom's siblings live and where her parents live. So I was there at both of those. She was the oldest of her siblings and Ireland was a really important place for her. Ancestrally, like she's like probably like a third to 40% Irish. Mm-hmm. And her grandfather 
he was maybe born in the States, but his parents were Irish, but in, and he told lots and lots of stories. Right. And she was very close to him. And so she went on a trip to Ireland, and it meant a lot to her. She called it her soul's home. Kind How of. old was she when she went? Uh, it had been just a couple years before she died. Oh, yeah. okay. So very, it would have been pretty recent. So Cool that she got that in. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it had been a lifelong goal, and she worked hard, and she took... I want to say she was there for... She was there for several weeks. Cool. So it was a really good experience. And all of her siblings, kind of like this Irish lore, Irish kind of part of their ancestry is really important. Her last name was Haggerty, mm-hmm. which is an Irish name. And so she had asked one of her sisters to bring a small portion of her ashes to Ireland and then my sister, Claire, decided she wanted to go as well. We were all going to maybe go, but it was a little pressured in the thought of like trying to coordinate it all just seemed really yeah. just a little bit much. So, so Claire and her family and Miriam, my other sister and her, she went and then my aunt went and mm-hmm. they were able to bring some of my mom's ashes too. There's a place called Skellig Michael, which is... This really neat island that had been populated by monks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to say, I want to say around seven hundred mm-hmm. or earlier, possibly. It was sacked by Vikings, and I guess the Vikings came over in about seven hundred. Mm-hmm. I want to say I could be wrong on those exact dates, but anyway, roughly, it was old, really old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the monks built these like beehive kind of stone structures mm-hmm. on the island. And there was all these puffins on the island. And it was really, really hard to get there because of weather conditions. So you schedule a trip ahead of time because it's a desirable place to go with a fisherman or somebody who has a boat right. in the village. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and you show up on that day and you just hope that the weather is right. Right. Because it's like if the weather's bad and it is like maybe... A third of the time or right. half of the time, the weather is bad, even in the good season. Right. And there's a short season where you can go. So anyway, all the things conspired, worked out. They were able to cool. go. They were given permission to go to a special place that was limited access to the public mm. to bring my mom's ashes. So it was very meaningful. We just started realizing you just take your parents for granted, kind of. Of course. When you're young. You of just course. don't even realize. No. And as she was getting sick, and, and I mean, and I have to say, I took my mom for granted in so many ways when we were realizing we were losing her, it was like, I started realizing she just was like, she was giving and taking care of us and thinking of, you know, just like, and she, and I, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like this kind of, this negative sacrifice on her part. She really found, you know, there's joy in giving, you know, she just knew about that. You know, she, she knew how to take care of herself and she knew how much I feel like, you know, my, my sisters and my aunt had this kind of amazing experience. I was like, yeah, our mom was like giving, you know, even her last wishes were like, oh, have this, go have this right. really amazing experience. You know, right. so it's a really touching memories to cherish, you know. So, And we just brought her ashes, bulk of her ashes to the Oregon coast. She had a favorite beach on the Oregon coast. And so we all did that as a family together last weekend. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the one thing about grieving is, like, I mean, it's really painful and sad. And one of the sad things, honestly, is, is, like, it does get easier. And you don't think of them as much. You don't feel the real pain of that loss. It fades a little bit, you know. If that close time of it, intense grieving, is, like, they're so much close. You feel 
like they're so much closer. So there's a little bit of like I've experienced a little bit of sadness as things have gotten easier because I'm just like, oh, I I know you know losing my dad a little over 20 years ago now it was like I don't miss him as much you know I just because I don't know I guess I know you and were I'm pretty like, young I don't want to miss I, I I'm like oh. you don't want to stop missing yeah like there's something about that that is like you want to kind of hang on to it a little bit even though enjoying life of course like I think you do in the background but there's I mean this is by design meaning it, yeah. we, it'd be very difficult for us to move on if we couldn't really let go. It's true. And yeah. then we would be debilitated for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's true. All I'm saying is there's there's a little bit of that grief that is comforting you. Because you're thinking about Thinking them. of them more. Right. And you have them nearer in your recall. Right. You know, it, it just is a lot more, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So, I mean, just part of the process, which is interesting. I just, just was, have observed it. Well, that's cool that you did and actually noted it. And to make notations on how you responded to the situation is cool that you can share that and talk to people because most people don't talk to each other about these things at all, really. Mm -hmm. It's very private stuff, but we're all at some point going to go through it. This is unavoidable. It's true. We must it is. go through it. It's, it is. Like, if you care about people, you're going to experience loss. Yeah. You know, it's like there, there's no way around it. I, a couple of things that are I want to mention is in Southern Oregon there has not been a an inpatient hospice facility and there's a lot of people are dying here yeah, you know it's sure. a, our population is distinctly older sure. even so it's the, the need for something like this is even greater but there's one being there's Southern Oregon Friends of Hospice have um have a space in Medford that they're working on they're finishing up their fundraising to be able to open it up it'll it's going to be very affordable. Is this with Susan Hearn? Is this yeah. her project? You know, there was a hospice facility on 66. You know, when you're going over the hill to go to Bymart? Really? At Faith? Well, right on the corner of Faith. Oh, no, and... that was just an office. Oh, they didn't. Oh, that's no, true. They had, that was an office that they, they would, you know, schedule people to go okay. out. People go into other people's homes. But sometimes it's like if you need more care than what can be brought into your right. home. There's nothing So there wasn't another that. place? And hospitals <gasps> oh. don't want you to die there. Like, hospitals... Well, that's the antithesis the of their... No, no, yeah. they stop making money on you. <laughs> well, and also, like... They're it, not prepared for it. They're that. not prepared for it, and yeah. it doesn't look good for their, you know, people, their statistics, you right. know, like... Could you like, please die elsewhere? Died, we yeah. are only here to sustain life, not <laughs> yeah. help you to I mean, it. that might be a little cynical. I don't want to... I don't really understand how that industry well, works. But it's not as... But it... And for the family, you know, when you're with someone who's dying, it's like this kind of slow, quiet days, you know, it's like it happens quickly, but it also happens slowly. And mm -hmm. so to be with your loved one, it's so nice to be in a more comfortable environment, a place, a place designed where for this. kids can run around sure. outside, yeah. you know, because it's not just... You know, it's like old families. Yeah. yeah. A hospital is a hard place to spend time. Sure. You know, they do a good job, I know, to try to make things more comfortable and stuff, but it's just not the same as like a home type of... You can't go barefoot from one place to right. another. You know, you right. can't just like... It's just not it's far as... Far less casual. Yeah. It's it's not... Yeah. You need to feel more formal and so... Right. Anyway, so they're working on one. I've been out there to visit it and it's a... 
really nice. It's just a really neat place. It's, I want to get Susan Hearn in here to talk about it. I think you should. It's really I think important. I may have sent her an email. Really important, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, so I'm really happy that there's something that's coming for Southern Oregon. Seems so and strange that aware it's like a new thing. the need for, it does, yeah. And I mean, who knew, I mean, you, if People you don't People come here to Ashland it, and die anyway. I mean, they come here to retire and finish yeah. out their business. So you would think automatically there would be a facility that would help them yeah. transition. Yeah. Yeah. And it's surprisingly affordable. I got a nice tour. You can go once a month, they give tours. Huh. And the cost... This is, okay, so you know how much, you know, you go to the hospital, you hear people's bills, like, they go in, they check your blood pressure, and I'm like, oh, it turns out you're fine. But just, like, if you're in a room, you know, maybe $4,000 or something like that. So yeah. really expensive. Yeah. And so I was asking, like, does Medicare pay for this? Like, how does this get paid for? How much is it? And they were talking a little bit about some of the options, and they're basically saying it was, like, $400 a night. And I was like, oh, does that not include the doctor's costs? And right. Like, no, that's all of it. I wow. was like, what? I'm not, I can't even, I'm like, how can that even be? So, and Are obviously. Being subsidized maybe by the state? You know, I don't know. Well, I don't they're doing know. something But But whatever reasonable. it is, it's like. It's awesome. It's like, so worst case scenario, you're in there for a week and your family owes like a couple grand. thousand. Anyway, it's a, just such a good, it's just such a good thing. And um, What's the name of the place? Something it. house. It's the name of a family okay. that had owned the house originally. Okay. And what and there's another cool story about that too. It was designed by this architect that I heard about on another podcast who was like an African American architect from Los Angeles. This is a is on ninety nine percent invisible is is a really cool design podcast. Really okay. interesting. Um, and it's how design affects our lives. So it's okay. just a, like stories about people, and mm-hmm. they're, it's way more interesting than it sounds like it would be. But this one architect, he basically designed, I think his name's Paul Williams, and he designed, and being from Los Angeles, right. you would like look at it and be like, oh my God, everything of my childhood was designed by huh. Paul Williams, okay. basically. Like he was such a prolific architect, and he could design in kind of any different style. Right. And so he created so much of the look of Los Angeles. Oh. And so he designed this house, and I'm trying to remember what they... It was like Georgian Revival or something, and it's uh, it's a very neat place. Huh. It's really, really neat. So Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll just go check it out and maybe just yeah, harangue Susan over there. Yeah, she gives the tours. I think. Oh, she once, does? Yeah, they're once a month, I want to say, on a Saturday. Uh, I'm going to send her a little message again, and maybe... Yeah. She's probably very busy, I would imagine. I would imagine, what yes. She's doing. yes. So how did the whole painting thing start for you? Oh, good. Doesn't that happen later in life? Nope. It, it didn't? Mm-mm. Nope. We never had a television growing up. And my mom, we read a lot of books. And my mom collected beautifully illustrated children's books. And she read to us, you know, every night, multiple stories. Mm-hmm. And I... Do you remember any of them? Oh, sure, yeah. I, I remember a lot of them, but, um, and still have them, because we, you know, got, they got passed, you know, sure. passed on and stuff. But, um, a lot of fairy tales and The Hobbit, you know, be- just beautifully illustrated, though. And I remember just loving to look at the pictures and being amazed that anybody could make that. And I wasn't also allowed coloring books either. You were not allowed coloring books. Nope. Okay. So I would, I would, and I kind of wanted them, honestly. So I would kind of make my own coloring books. Mm. I would try to carefully draw 
an outline and then I could color it in. <laughs> so I was early on, really fascinated by illustration. A lot of my artist friends that are guys, you know, they kind of got into art through comic books. Uh-huh. You can see that a lot, like in their the influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of, or and, and even if their they, their work doesn't look comic booky at all, you can you like something will come up and be like, oh yeah, that's right. how that's what caught you. But for me, it was a children's books, and I remember. Uh, did your kids ever have Richard Scary children's books with the all the animals, Busy Town? Like I don't recall animals? those. So there was this great Richard Scary had all these big pages full of animals so you could just look at one double set of pages like for a long time right and i remember there was one double page spread it was like probably 50 animals on there with different careers and Mm -hmm. i remember being really young maybe four years old trying to decide which one i was going to do it was a toss-up between an artist and a nurse Mm. and were the two pictures next to each other they weren't right next it to each other. It sounds familiar. I think I do know what you're talking about. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. They're 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 fit. they're so good. Yeah. They've been around. Lowly Worm was one. They're just really good. Anyway, so I and it was a toss up, but I but artist was just always in my mind and my parents. What was the animal? Do you remember? I actually don't okay. remember. I looked back and seen it later because I still I had those books for Adara, but my daughter but um no i just it was more about trying to decide what i was going to do hmm. i remember i think it was a dog at an easel but it could have been a fox i don't know <laughs> anyway so yeah so i decided early on and i was consistent i really wanted i always was most interested in in art and did as much art as i could how old were you when growing you up? when you think that was when you selected that animal's vocation yeah like four or five. Oh, okay yeah. early on really yeah. young yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had, you know, I would, I looking back from kindergarten and first grade, you know, I'd written, you know, what will I be when I grow up? I was oh. like, I will be an artist. Wow. You know? So, yeah, it was ever present. And I, every opportunity I got, I would take, do art things throughout school. There was like, an Eagle Point 4-H was a big thing because it's a pretty agricultural community. Right. So I remember doing Art 4-H, which I don't remember what we did even. It was not great at all. It was like some mom was just doing art 4-H, you know, right. for some kids, and and then took art electives, and then in high school, once I got to high school, took all the art immediately as much, as soon as I could, taking art classes as an elective, and then one of my teachers encouraged me to go to the university to take life drawing, mm-hmm. so I started taking life drawing. Which university? Well, it wasn't actually a university then, it was Southern Oregon State College, it was where, it's what SOU is now. Oh, Okay. So I would go down in the evenings and take life drawing from when I was 15 on. And then I knew I wanted to go to art school right. for college. And I went to Pacific Northwest College of Art in Portland. And at that time, it was inside the Portland Art Museum. Oh, cool. They did a huge expansion where they kind of tripled the size of the museum, basically, if not quadrupled. Mm. But our school was inside the museum, but there was also a ballet school and a film school and a Masonic wow. temple with a big ballroom in there. And now all of it's museum. So that and then you were there at the time. Yeah, it was a cool opportunity. And but now, I mean, PNCA is doing really well. They have a huge like city block kind of building for their school. I I, I haven't been to visit huh. it, but they've done a. They also did math. So you haven't been back. Uh-uh. You're an alumni. Kind of. I didn't graduate, but you yeah. didn't. No. What did you do? At just uh, some point, you just left? Yeah, I did. How long did you go? I went two years. Okay. Yeah. And then I went 
to a different art school, but I, oh, my dad died basically is what happened. Oh, yeah. And so I kind of, and then I got pregnant with Adara, and so I became, I was just focused on being a mom for a few years, and then when she was about, when she went to school, when she was in first grade, I went back to art school, but I did it here in Ashland. There was a guy. The Russian dude? Yeah. And at that point, I was really interested in drawing, learning to really draw and paint, like realistically. Like I just wanted to learn. Favorite time period was of art is probably, you know, the late 19th century, early 20th century, where it was like modernism Mm -hmm. coming about. And all of those people had really strong academic backgrounds. Right. And so they just sort of had this base to draw on creatively. And I wanted that base. I wanted that kind of practical ability. Mm-hmm. And so he offered a beginning towards that. I was studied with him for four years. And subsequently, I studied with other people different things because right. he had some really great drawing skills to offer. What was his name? Semyon Vilmus. Right. Yeah, his son. Uh, I had a relationship with his oh, son. Oh, Alex, that's right. Alex. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Alex about... was, like, doing some design or something. Graphic design, I think, is yeah, the yeah, area yeah. he went into. But I I knew a bunch of people, not a bunch, but I knew a few people who were taking classes over there. Oh, really? And uh, uh, Janine, I, I think, is that her name? Janine? Janine. Janine. Janine, who I think was dating Alex. Right. And now she's an exceptional talent from Uh what she received at that school. Mm -hmm. So the guy was pumping out some very talented people. Yeah, and you know, Gabe, Gabriel Lipper. Did he go to school there too? Well, Semyon had a school in Medford way back that Gabe went to maybe 10 years before. Uh Like, I think Gabe was really quite young when he went and studied there. Also a monster painter, man. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really talented people around here. Indeed. Not like a lot of painters, but there are a few yeah. people that are really yeah. doing it at a super mm-hmm. high level around here. Yeah, well, that was the great thing about Simeon. He brought in a lot of serious people. Like, he talked people into moving here right. to study, and they kind of liked it and would stay, you know, basically. So that is nice, because it is really useful to have a community of people who are working really hard. It, it pushes you to, to do better. To do better. Sure. Yeah, and it's super valuable. Yeah, yeah. do that for others. You, you teach. I love teaching. It's yeah. one of my favorite things to do. It's really fun. I yeah. just love it so much. I mean, I so I just recently have been so excited. I opened up a new studio in talent called Project Space, and we have classes, and then we'll clean it out and have art shows, you know, various things. But man, I just love having a, my own space. It's a to very teach cool classes. little space. It's small, but it's just so awesome. It, yeah. We just love it. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to do that. I'm so happy about it. So. Well, you have that predictability. You kind of run the show. You own the space I in that know. way. I'm like, I love controlling things so much. I share with one person. Right. You know. She's a nice lady. Yeah. Megan. Yeah, Megan. Should, and she's very talented she's also. Very Does she teach? She's an amazing painter. Yeah, she teaches. She teaches kids kids classes right now. And I'm, I imagine she'll, she'll do some adult work too. She is an abstract painter and she teaches concepts to kids. Like, great, great concepts. Like, oh, um you know color and form and i mean all kinds of basic stuff but uh-huh. in this in this really um non uh, pressured way but there were really learning concrete stuff that will serve them and i'm really loving that she does that because i 
I do not know how to work with kids because I am all about okay, we're gonna do perspective and yeah, yeah, you, you need know, to, you're dealing like, with adults. It's scientific yeah. more than artistic, and the best thing for kids is just giving them the space and the support to do it. Right. And to just keep doing it and just keep doing it and enjoy that. It's kind of questionable how, you know, it would be a different, we'd be living in a different world. I mean, maybe certain kids who just like show like unusual, interesting gift could then be kind of carefully kind of given more sophisticated opportunities. But that's a special circumstance. It's not the norm. You know, you just, but in general, I think it's so important for people to have an Art education, if nothing else, even if they don't do it, you, as you, as with everything, you just get this deeper appreciation of, and your world is broadened if you right. understand what sure. what goes into it. Sure, you can become art appreciators and. Well, I think on some level we're all artists. We may never discover it. We may never. Yeah, it's a good create. And I, I think yeah. it's just part of our thing mm-hmm. that we all have this capability. Yeah. And most of us never explore it because of just social conditioning that it just doesn't present itself or mm-hmm. whatever your family situation or your school situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just never get to see it. Well, I mean, time is limited too. I, I would love to do so, so many things I would love to learn, but I also feel like man, I'm just starting to get halfway decent as a painter. Like, right. I've got so much work to do there. But you love that specifically, and you want to excel in that and get better and keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying is oftentimes children don't get an opportunity, even early on, to find that they can do or want to do that mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not presented as an opportunity. Yeah, right. And so yeah. there's yeah, kind of some suffering know. involved with not doing what you what you could be doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of circumstances are so, so much of, yeah, there's some interesting... I mean, but there's so many things. I mean, you know. Of course, the so variables are ridiculous. Yeah. And but my opinion is, every child should have an opportunity to <laughs> have some to have, exploration yeah. in that area. Yeah. Every child. I think so. And then from that yeah. exploration, come upon yeah. those specific things that they really gravitate yeah, towards. I think so too. Like that's, that's the, the future of education, anyway. It is. It's. Because that's considerate, mindful education. Mm-hmm. That is really looking at each individual at what their potential is and at least giving them a little dot to start yeah. from. Mm-hmm. And then so let them kind of go. Right. Yeah. And then we can look and we can examine through their response and their behaviors within that environment what else maybe they should be exposed to as they gravitate in certain areas or display certain sensibilities or tendencies or, you know, this expertise, this savant thing that maybe is underlying that mm-hmm. we never, they never mm-hmm. get to, you know, see. Anyway. It's interesting stuff. Uh, have you ever listened to Malcolm Gladwell's books or podcasts? No. Oh, so interesting. He, like, does a lot of research around some stuff, like timing and uh, just in- just and opportunities, like little pockets of opportunities that show up. It's fascinating. It's funny some that you mentioned timing because almost anybody who has been very successful on a super high level has attributed their success to timing. Yeah. That they just well, happen to do it at the right time. That's basically kind of what Malcolm Gladwell is talking about. And it's just like, so timing, like you're born at the right time, the right opportunities. Like he uses the example of people who were given computer access at a certain age in they growing up in Silicon Valley. And, right. And then he also uses another example of pe- immigrants, I think from Germany, maybe that have a background in garment industry like family and so setting these things up sure at the right time to right. kind of 
And I think about it in terms of art history. So different cultures have produced, like, you know, the Italian Renaissance produced all these amazing figurative artists, right? right? Amazing. Like, just boom. Here's, like, a massive amount of them. And yet, in the Northern, later on, like, in Germany, there's, like, all these great composers. Right. Like, Martin Luther had come along and said one of the issues that he had had with Catholicism was use of images so they kind of shifted from images in their religious you know spiritual practice to more sound and so Mm. then of course you get like the timing is so good like amazing composers so it's just like the cultural support and then so the people that pop up that have the special ability like if they pop up in a time when that the culture is supporting and growing something it's like so it's a combination of all these just kind of fascinating factors and well, maybe that's what's going to happen with us developmentally in our awareness is, I mean, it sounds like the similar kind of a, of a blueprint whereby just these groups of people start changing perception through whatever it is they're introducing and there's going to be a support group. And that's kind of Tolstoy said that's how we're going to end up doing it anyway is we're just going to come to like this agreement that we're going to support this line of thinking mm-hmm. and then like a sinking ship. It's sort of unconscious. It just exactly. Sort of like, everybody's like kind of like the way group think it just like shifts and you think you have a new idea, but it's like a lot of people are having a similar new right. idea. And, and that's, I guess that would be called collective consciousness is mm-hmm. where we just all start buying into this new program mm-hmm. and it's not even like disputable. And mm-hmm. you know, this is part of the reason that we die is we have to go away. So new things can occur unfortunately some people who are wonderful and are positive and bringing a lot of great shit also have to die versus those that are destroying our world and doing terrible things to it also have to die but i guess evolution can't occur unless we have mortality oh oh gosh um sorry <laughs> left turn no. <laughs> yeah okay. oh wait let me straighten Whoa. the car out just a minute i saw this in a cartoon once i think i can do it everybody put on your seatbelts. mark's driving <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so you have a daughter adara how old is she 20 and she's in college and university yes, now and she in. goes locally here yes she does and yes. she's super smart and talented and what does she do yeah, i'm so proud of her she's a joy she's just such a joy um she is yep she's at SOU slash she's getting this summer she's she's getting some credits at RCC that aren't available until next spring at right. SOU so she's trying to get in the nursing program which is which God, that's is all I really hear about. hard I know everybody wants Brandon I told you about Brandon my, yeah. my roommate he just finished the nursing program uh, but there's many people that I'm yeah. finding are going into the nursing program. Mm-hmm. It's almost a I mean, if you make it, it's a guarantee you're going to have work. Yeah. And you can make mm-hmm. a decent living mm-hmm. helping people. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah. It's super hard work. But Adara's, she worked at Brookdale as a, just like a support aid and med aid and stuff. And so she got a real sense of what, what, what it was like. Because yeah. that was one of my concerns. I was like, are you sure you can do this job? Ready to wipe some ass it's and really, really get into the nitty gritty of people yeah, and it's long days yeah. and you know you're, you're you know people you're dealing with people in difficult circumstances yeah. and so they're emotional you know it can be it's all the over ultimate the place human it's, experience. Just, it's a lot yeah, yeah yeah but she really is interested and oh, good. and so she's on the she applied once got on the wait list she's number six on the alternate list but okay. that does not necessarily that doesn't mean she'll get in for this next mm. fall she won't find out till the end of the summer so she's planning for she's finishing up so she'll have 
all of her prereqs done cool. this at the end of this summer so she can reapply and then her backup plan is getting a psychology degree which she what would be able to What an excellent companion thing anyway. Yeah, she'll be able to get that at by the end of next year. So either by the end of next year she'll be doing nursing program or graduating with psychology degree and then she's still going to try it. there's another like an accelerated anyway it's yeah it's a one she's of those on right things track. where they say you need a lot of nurses but yet there's 30 spots each of the 32 spots something like that at, right. each, at rcc and at sou so limited program even joe you know taxi joe you know the guy who owns a taxi He's, his wife is doing the same thing yeah she just completed her stuff and I mean, and there's a lot of need for it here because we've got a lot of hospitals and yeah, and it's the kind of job where I think there's a lot of attrition in the job because you burnout yeah burnout it's hard physical injury yeah oh yeah it's lifting people mm -hmm. and yeah yeah I guess it's one there's more injury to nurses than almost construction workers or something that's interesting I wonder if they need this I wonder if they need additional special training in how to work with bodies Possibly. their own with other bodies Possibly, like yeah. almost like a stuntman kind of thing like well you know i go to the crossfit gym and there's something i don't know what it is exactly about the look of a nurse but you yeah. can kind of spot them like oh you're a nurse i can tell you're a nurse i think a lot of the nurses who want to keep doing it they'll go you know get in shape get strong yeah. get their bodies strong and yeah. learn how to move weight yeah safely. i think it's really important sure yeah. Especially if they're working in hospice. I mean, literally, a lot of it is moving bodies around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If somebody wants to take painting lessons from you, how do they do that? Well, I have two websites. Project Space is at artprojectspace.com. And then you can find out more about my work at Sarah, with an H, F, as in Frank, burns.com you know it's funny you say sir with an h did you see the movie leaving las vegas a long time ago yeah you know if you look get the soundtrack which is a fucking incredible soundtrack mm. there's a scene that they, they use a couple of little tidbits oh, yeah. of audio uh -huh. from the scenes and he meets her and her name is sarah she says my name is sarah and it, there's a little pause and he says with an with h, h? <laughs> no with an e s e r a sarah mm. and it's implanted in my I don't remember a lot yeah but certain that one things burned in that is brain. I have memory well I I, think I know it's, a Sarah, that's an unusual spelling but I know one Sarah spelled S-E-R-A oh really yeah well I love the movie and so that also impacted me yeah it was such an incredible display of humanity yeah, yeah. and it reminds me now that I think about it you know I pick up a lot of drunk people here in town oh right right I think right, right, most right. of them are not trying to kill themselves but inadvertently there's a lot of alcohol poisoning going on around here, to be honest Ooh, with you. I really. believe it, yeah. Like excessive mm -hmm. young people sitting on the fucking sidewalk throwing up and oh. just very sad. Yeah. Super sad. I mean, life is hard. Like, I say it a little bit joking a lot, but I, I always mean it. It is you know? very challenging. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I know. It's good and amazing, but there's, it can be very Well, we, we do a lot of self-punishment, too, because mm -hmm. we don't know enough. 
And what we don't know, that's that whole ignorance is bliss is fucking bullshit. It's not mm-hmm. bliss. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that you could be doing better, that things could be yeah. better, yeah. then you're not, yeah. you're suffering. And yeah. that, there's nothing bliss about yeah. suffering. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes too, like there's that whole self-medication thing. So over drinking could be like trying to avoid feeling something sure. that could be painful. Sure. It could seem like suffering, but it's just part, it's just something that we, I think it's so important to feel your feelings. Oh yeah. And I think. I think I've seen some people drinking too much that are avoiding feeling their feelings and well, they don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the drinking is something changes. they know they can do yeah, yeah. and gives them that temporary numbness, yeah. which never goes away. Of yeah. course. I know. Like I, that's a hard and tough. Yeah. It's a tough thing, but you have two cell phones. Well, one is my cell phone. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I went from having no car for three years and no cell no phone, phone to having a car and two cell phones. That is the taxi phone over there. Okay. Which I actually use primarily because this little cheap phone, although it, it does fine, it's kind of the little kid version of this one. This yeah, is the badass Note 4. Better. Yeah, it's just got lots of memory. And I tried to record on my phone because I'm in the taxi. Yeah. And I've been recording in the taxi. It's fun when I Oh, can, that's cool. Like when I'm on the phone with Boo in Thailand. Yeah. I want to record our conversations because they're ridiculous and they're super funny. But I found that I could only get five minutes out of this phone. And it takes her 10 minutes to even start talking. When she knows she's being recorded, she'll just make a lot of funny faces and nod her head and do shit to make me laugh. But then she'll just forget for a minute and then we can engage. But by then the phone's fucking dead and I have no more space. Because I need a a mobile recording thing. Maybe I need to get a Zoom mic, you know about the Zooms? They're like a little tabletop thing, and they do all digital recording, and you could stick uh, an SD card in it. Yeah. And it's got pretty good stuff coming out of it. So uh-huh. I just need something I can set up on the armrest while yeah. I'm in the car uh-huh. that will pretty much pick everything up, yeah. and I can just email to myself. And, and that's yeah. kind of where technology's gotten, which is so brilliant. I mean, look, this mic is USB. Yeah, I know. And, and this know. came with my computer when I bought it. The guy just happened oh, to have that's it. that's cool. Oh, yeah. And it sat in my drawer for a couple of days, and I realized, man, you know, I thought about... I use was, that. Well, you know, like everything, we do it when we do it. Yeah, right. You know, it took me 55 sure. years to go, hey, hey, let's do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the timing is right. Yeah. This is the time for me to do yeah. it. I wasn't prepared before to do this. Sure, sure. You know, I think you and I and other people I know, we've come into our renaissance the older we get, mm-hmm. where a lot of our confidence is up and mm-hmm. our insecurities have diminished. Oh, yeah. And we're willing and wanting to do more as we get older. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I love we're, getting older. It's wonderful. Yeah. I'm using discernment more mm-hmm. about what I want to do, what mm-hmm. I don't want to do. Yeah. It's easy to say no. It's also very easy to say yes. Yeah. But there's certain things I don't want to get involved with anymore, and I feel very comfortable Mm -hmm. in my skin saying, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, but thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. (laughs) That's so nice. It feels so good to get there a little bit. How long have you been married now? 15 years. Yeah, that's good, yeah? Tom's it. He's he's a great guy. Yeah, he's he's super kind. We have a good time. We're going to go, after our work day is done, we're going to go canoeing. Today? Yeah. Where? Lake of the Woods. Beautiful. So nice. Putting the dog in the canoe. And just the two of you and the dog? Or is yeah. Adara going too? Uh, no, Adara has her radio show. So she's doing a radio show at uh, K- KSKQ. KSKQ. Yep, called Dream Infringement. Mm-hmm. And is she doing this with other people? Yeah, she's got three friends that they do it together. What are they doing? Uh, they talk. They have a theme every week and they prepare a short story and a song 
that addresses the theme. And well, so we can tell people if they want to go. KSKQ has an online yep. uh, presence. Have you maybe heard the show? <laughs> yes, I have. They've been doing it for a year, so I've listened maybe twice. Okay. I'm terrible, but it's fine. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's a really cute show. They they're great, and they've gotten it's awesome because they've done it you know consistently for a good year, and so they've gotten. Like, she's, they're building all these skills and having a right. really fun time. Yeah. And this awesome opportunity to be able to, like, see what it's like to do a radio show. Yes. And she is doing their editing so they can put their show onto SoundCloud and podcasts. Right. They're going right. to turn it into a podcast as well. So she's learning editing and just this, like, education by doing. Right. So well, that's what that I'm doing. pretty cool. I know. And I and I'm, I have ideas to start a podcast. I'm slow... I'm steady but slow That's okay. to get it started. So was this okay? Yeah. For you? Mm-hmm. It was. I'm so glad that you came in. Thanks. I'm, I'm sorry that I was late and there was miscommunication no. oh. and you went to a place that I don't live anymore. And... I'm so easygoing about it. I know you It are. worked out just fine. I yeah. know you are. Yeah. Everything's well, fine. I love you, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks, Sarah. Me too. See you later. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, that's the show. Uh, Thank you, Sarah, so much for such a wonderful conversation. And I appreciate you being so candid about all that went on with your mom's passing. I literally just returned from my second workout session over at Baxter Fitness Solutions under the guidance of Andy Baxter. And it was a little more complicated this time. Still very nice, very easy. But in addition to those five five-minute workout machines, we added five minutes on the rowing machine and 15 reps of three different, instead of hydraulics or weight-driven, these are air-driven machines, weight machines. Super cool, nice glideability and feels good. The machines all feel really good. So uh, I'm a little more worked today than I was on Thursday, but I love the feeling and I look forward to going back on Wednesday at 1.30, which is going to be my regular time. I'd like to take this opportunity to say happy birthday to my father in two days. July 19th is his birthday, and I think he's going to be 79, 80, 79. Oh my God, is he going to be 80? Holy shit balls! That's pretty much it. All is good here in the Shire of Ashland. It's great to be with you again in this 11th show. And I look forward to show number 12 with Mike Fitzgerald. Very cool guy. We got that in store for us. Always a pleasure, never high priced. Word to your mother's uncle. To find out more about Sarah and her teaching studio in Talent, Oregon, please visit her online at sarahfburns.com or artprojectspace.com. Citizen 44.